Well, good morning, and it's uh, great to see all of you here on this happy new year. Trust that it is for you, whatever your circumstances, that you will find in Him your joy this year. Uh, whether you're online out there or whether you are here with us this morning. Let's come before our God in a brief word of prayer. Oh Lord, as we come to your precious word now, we pray that it would be you that speaks. You would overrule the weakness and frailty of myself and bring glory to your name through your word by your spirit. For Jesus' sake, amen. Stand firm, endure, persevere, hold fast, sterter, fastbait. I say, uh, these are all powerfully recurring exhortations in the Word of God. So, how was 2021 for you in this regard? I have a picture. Did you stand firm in the midst of the storms? Thank you. There we go. Did you stand firm? Maybe, next slide, battered and bent a bit, uh, but your roots still there. Uh, you're here in person or you are watching online, so it's most likely that you are one of those that can identify with someone who did stand firm. But perhaps this is you. Whoopsie. You're, you, you're here today, but you feel broken, hurt, maybe full of doubts and fears, your world turned upside down, maybe you've given up and you don't care anymore, maybe you're somewhere in between like this, where you're toppling, and one more storm, and you're, you're down. This morning we want to take a look, folks, that at God's word to give us a particular focus and key to standing firm. Thank you. Now we can leave the slides. <clears throat> Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians, please. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. <clears throat> 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm, fussbait, 
and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken or word or by our letter. Billy preached in 1 Thessalonians as well not long ago in chapter 5 and verse 18 where we read, give thanks in all circumstances, all circumstances. And then just two verses later, hold fast. Paul in Colossians chapter 2 verse 7, uh, perhaps thinking of the tree theme, said, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. There we go, that sounds like stand firm again. But what follows? Just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So we see Paul closely linking and marrying, standing firm in our faith with this attitude of gratitude. So somehow, if we can cultivate and develop by God's grace, deep, <clears throat> real gratefulness in our hearts, it's going to be a key to helping us stand firm, fuspate. Almost like amongst the many roots of the tree, there's a tap root, there's a main root, and that root is gratefulness. So before we launch into our passage and learn a bit more, let's ask the question, what is thankfulness? What are, what are we when we are being thankful? Well, the Greek word for thankfulness in the scriptures is a combination of two words that basically mean grace and joy. So Piper defines it as follows. Gratitude is the feeling of happiness. There's the joy piece. You feel toward somebody who has shown you some undeserved kindness. There's the grace piece. That is, who has been gracious to you, especially when this grace meets real needs. Just to illustrate thankfulness. Um, from, from an experience, an amazing experience I had on my cousin's farm when we visited Freiburg uh, in an August. In August, it's winter. The grass is quite tall still, but it's dead because it's winter. And it's also a windy month. So the danger then is what? Fires. There we go. And um, it just so happened that in our stay there, Twice we had to go out and help farmers fight fires. And it just struck me as an amazing thing. We saw some smoke on the horizon. Kevin got a message on his uh, radio. He dropped everything. I think he was branding calves at that stage. Dropped everything, got in his bucky, loaded up his tank of water, and off he rushed. And there we arrived at a farm where there was a fire raging through the felt. And there were about 20 other farmers arriving and doing the same thing. And about 45 minutes later, the fire was put out. We were all a bit exhausted and full of smoke and so on. And that farmer was grateful. Why? 
he, he hadn't paid these other farmers. It's not like he had given them a special favor that they now owed him. It was an undeserved favor which he really needed. And so he naturally felt gratefulness. And kind of all the way home on the radio, man, donkey, yellow men, so, ach, buy a donkey. You know, there was just a natural gratefulness for that act of kindness and grace. So, let's dive now, thank you, the next slide, just into three eyes where we are going to learn about the importance of gratefulness, the impetus of it, what drives, what should drive our gratefulness, and then the implications for our lives in 2022. So firstly, importance. Next slide, thank you. Just the importance of gratefulness. Paul in our passage opens with, we ought always to give thanks. So there's obligation, ought, you should, you must, and frequency, <laughs> always. Uh, always, Paul. And uh, Paul repeated this senti sentiment often in his letters. In fact, to quote an introduction to an Ask John Piper session, um, there's this, what the person said, Paul's life models gratitude. He mentions thanks about 50 times in his epistles, leading to one of my favorite quotes acclaimed by New Testament scholar David Pio, who wrote in his book, Thanksgiving, the apostle Paul mentions the subject of thanksgiving more frequently per page than any Hellenistic author, pagan, or Christian. Let that sink in. Thankfulness was big for Paul. Thanks, Sonia. Uh, maybe this is because Paul was marinated in Scripture, in the Old Testament. He knew that in Leviticus, God had prescribed Many thanksgiving offerings. People were reminded to give thanks regularly in rituals of thanksgiving. David, when he was king, set up a group of Levites, and Asaph and his brothers were part of that, whose specific role it was to regularly lead the congregation in thanksgiving. Hezekiah and Nehemiah, after David, did the same thing. The book of Psalms, written mainly by David, uh, repeats thanksgiving 56 times. Jesus set an example by giving thanks to his Father on a number of occasions. Uh, he queried why only one of the ten lepers came back to give thanks. And then with a heavy heart, introducing the feast we will share together afterwards, the night he was betrayed, he gave thanks and broke the elements out and shared with his disciples. And then in the glorious glimpse we get in the book of Revelation of the throne room of glory uh, in Revelation 4, 7, and 11. Interesting, it's the name of a shop, 4, 7, 11. 
Uh, you can go and check those afterwards. What do we see happening there? Well, the 24 elders, the angelic hosts, and the saints in white robes are repeatedly singing and praising and worshiping with thanksgiving. So if thanks is so much part and weaved into the warp and woof of Scripture, it seems very important to us then that we pay attention to it, doesn't it? So may I ask, how grateful a person are you? How often do you feel welling up in your heart and then expressing with your lips, thank you, thank you to, to the Lord and to others. So if it's so important, thank you, Sonia, um, let's have a look now at the impetus. What is going to feed this taproot of thankfulness that's going to help us stand firm? What is the main motivation? Well, is it politeness? Isn't it one of the first things we teach our children? Ah, and we have Helen and Alan here who are now grandparents on New Year. Uh, a lot of fussbait, 18 hours of labor, shame. Um, but what are, what, are, what are Brad and... and um, Cindy going to teach, <laughs> thank you, Brad and Cindy. What's one of the first things they're going to teach, little Maya? Say ta, hold the food, and say ta, and only then do we give the food. We teach politeness and thanks and the magic word from very young. And, and that's a good thing. Our children should have good manners. But is that the main source of godly gratefulness? Well, let's have a look at our passage to answer this question. Uh, so look again at Second Thessalonians. There are four triggers, four fertilizers, if you like, that are feeding Paul's thankfulness. Can you see them there? Loved by God. Chosen by God. Called by God. Glory guaranteed by God. A Godward focus, especially his attributes, love, and his amazing plan of salvation in Christ, is the focus of Paul's thanks. And that, dear friends, is the pattern throughout the Word of God. Forty-two times in the Old Testament, there is a standard statement that was part of Israel's life. Give thanks for his steadfast love endures forever. Our thanks is, the impetus for our thanks, is spurred and fed by a focus on God. We see that immediately from our passage. So is that the source of most thanksgiving out there, do you think? I think sadly not. The prosperity gospel, which is so rampant, teaches what? 
Where must your focus of thanks be? Health and wealth. I'm not sure what COVID is doing to that doctrine. Uh, I read an article of a number of <coughs> health wealth pastors who defied COVID and died of COVID. They've listed them. The world even uses the word, the word blessed. I'm blessed. In what circumstances? Well, when there's good things that happen, isn't it? But hold on. Is it just false prophets and uh, nebulously worldly spirituality out there uh, that causes this wrong gratefulness? What about us? Let's be honest and ask ourselves, when do I feel most grateful, warmly positive and grateful to God? Isn't, when things, isn't it when things are going well with my temporal circumstances? Um, <clears throat> I'm healthy. You're here today. You don't have COVID. Praise God. Um, you arrived here by car. It didn't break down. Praise God. You had food this morning on your way here, breakfast maybe. Thank you. Isn't that wonderful? Your uh, devices uh, are working, your washing machine, your computers. Things are going generally quite smoothly. Uh, in my marriage, my partner and my children seem to love me and accept me, so that's cool. I enjoy my work. Maybe there's a promotion in 2022. Um, there's an exciting holiday coming up in April. We can look forward to that. Isn't that the core focus of a lot of our gratefulness? But haven't we seen Paul saying to the Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances? And it's not just the Thessalonians. To the Ephesians in uh, chapter 5, verse 20, he says, give thanks, and Paul is like this. <laughs> He's serious. Always and for everything. Always and for everything. Even when circumstances are feeling pretty awful and my heart is breaking over a serious trial, we had to smile when uh, Brahm was preaching about obeying the government, remember? And um, what did he say when Peter said that? He said, Peter, 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 um, surely you don't know that we live in South Africa. You don't expect us to do that. Well, maybe we are saying this morning, Paul, 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 are you sure Always and for everything, surely it's deeply hard and unreasonable to expect us to feel gratefulness in the middle of serious and sad circumstances. Of course we must be grateful for God's good gifts. But the true test, dear brothers and sisters, of the genuineness of our gratefulness is when circumstances are painful and not what we expected. Uh, listen to Marshall Siegel on this topic. Gratitude that dissolves and dissipates in the valley 
may not have been real gratitude on the mountaintop. Perhaps it was simply contentment in our comfort and security. But those who are grateful in the valley are those whose hearts were set on God before the valley. And if next year, 2022, is worse than this one, and if the valley dips deeper and darker, then we will still have plenty of reason to thank God. Can you see there? The impetus is the focus on God. You see, good and comfortable and pleasant circumstances, probably the West's number one idol, can change tomorrow, evaporate like the mist. COVID has shown us this. Sudden loss of loved ones has shown us this. But dear friends, let's get this. Our God and His salvation remains true and good and the same forever. So that's where we must focus. In the USA, Thanksgiving is rated as the most celebrated public holiday. They, they work this out with statistics on purchases and the number of people who gather and, and so on and celebrate it. Christmas only came eighth on the list of public holidays. Thanksgiving, by far, number one. Uh, it's based on the Pilgrim Fathers, festival of thanks to God after their first year in the New World in, back in 1621. And so families, <coughs> pardon me, gather around a turkey feast, because evidently the pilgrims uh, ate turkeys, and are encouraged to be grateful for something, even if it's grandma's awesome Pumpkin pie. And of course, this is not a bad thing. It's a great cultural thing to have a day of thanks. But in the rapid secularization and moral revolution engulfing that great nation, unfortunately, there's been an attempt to remove God from the picture. And in fact, in recent times, children are taught in school that the Thanksgiving festival of the pilgrims was, main, was only for giving thanks for the Native Americans who assisted the pilgrims, teaching them how to farm uh, in, that, in the New World. The stark facts, borne out even by secular historians, are that the pilgrims' festival was focused on God. Yes, they were grateful for the help of the Native Americans, for sure. But they thanked God despite a very tough and tragic year. Almost half of those who landed on that shoreline had perished in the year from disease, starvation, and a brutal winter. All but three families had wept, wept beside graves in the previous year, and yet they gathered to celebrate and thank God, and now the whole nation does it. Vanita Risner is a modern-day female Job. I don't know if you know of her and her books and her blogs, very well, 
very worth reading and um, learning from her experience. She suffered insufferable trials of almost every kind in her life and has written about her experience of finding gratefulness and endurance for the glory of God. And she says this, The pilgrims chose to be grateful for what they had rather than to focus on all they had lost. They had to look for blessings actively and deliberately. Their thanksgiving was not based on pleasant circumstances, but rather on the understanding that God was to be thanked in both prosperity and adversity. Their, their gratitude was not a positive thinking facade, but a deep and steadfast trust that God was guiding all their circumstances, even when life was difficult. Viewing their lives through a lens of gratitude changed their perspective. And that's the challenge for us in 2022. So where is your lens focused, dear friend? Where is your taproot? In what soil is it? Circumstances and God's good gifts? Or the giver behind them? If I were to ask for a show of hands, and I'm not going to, but I wonder how many of you would raise your hands if I asked the question, um, have you ever felt taken for granted? Have you ever felt the sting of ingratitude? Maybe you faithfully served here in the church, gave yourself sacrificially. People didn't even notice or say thanks. They may even have criticized. Parents, there are some of you who have lovingly and faithfully raised and given your life to your children, who now rebel and reject and slander you. Moms, maybe you feel this every day. You slave over a meal and a, a hot stove and you prepare a meal for your family day by day by day. They may even criticize and uh, rush from the meal afterwards to their various lives and TV programs and homework and, and no thanks. Don't forget today, folks, thank whoever cooked the meal for you. But Yes, it stings, doesn't it? Um, a businessman, maybe, you've had this experience. You spend maybe years investing in a colleague or a coach or a you coach a subordinate to help in your business. You transfer your skills to him. You give him your secrets. And then for a few bucks, he goes to the competition. You've, you, you feel taken for granted. You feel hurt. And in this church, I'm sure we've all felt hurt when we've reached out to addicts off the street. There's been more than one. Feed them, house them, clothe them, <laughs> preach the gospel to them. 
only to have them steal from us and disappear without thanks. It hurts. We feel taken for granted. So we do then know something of why Jesus said to the one grateful leper, Where are the nine? Where are the nine? You see, those nine were worshipping the gift of healing and forgot the healer. That one Samaritan leper, what did he do? The moment he saw that leprosy leave his body, turned around, went to find Jesus, fell at his feet in worship and thanks. And so Piper, just in closing on this impetus point, says this on this topic of the giver versus the gift. You would not be honored if I thanked you often for your gifts to me but had no deep and spontaneous regard for you as a person. You would feel insulted, no matter how much I thanked you for your gifts. If your character and personality do not attract me or give me joy in being around you, then you will just feel used, like a tool or machine to produce things I really love. So it is with God, he says. If we are not captured by his personality and character, then all our declarations of thanksgiving are like the gratitude of a wife to a husband for money she gets from him to use in her affair with another man. And so Piper warns, beware of thanksgiving becoming idolatry. We worship the gift and not the giver. So we've seen that the source, the impetus for genuine thanksgiving is a determined and deliberate focus on God and his wonderful gospel and his undeserved favor towards us. We're to be captured by his personality and character. We come aware of his grace. And that makes us more grateful. And that helps us, by grace, to stand firm. And so finally, let's look thirdly at implications. At implications. If we truly embrace how important thankfulness is, and the impetus that it's a focus on God, what does that mean for your life and mine in 2022, dear friends? Well, God's model for change in Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, if you want to look at it, is the put off and put on model. <clears throat> we must put off the old self and put on the new self after the likeness of Christ. So if the new self is this bubbling heart of gratefulness, what is it that we must put off? Well, we must put off the opposite, which is ungratefulness or grumbling. 
Paul doesn't let us off the hook. In the same way as he says, give thanks in all circumstances. In Philippians 2 verse 14, he says, do all things. And that means all things without grumbling. Scott Hubbard, the Desiring God editor on this verse says, Grumbling is the hum of the fallen human heart. And often a hallmark of Christians' indwelling sin. Close quote. You see, in Romans 1.21, Paul zooms in onto ungratefulness as the source, the taproot of man's depravity. Listen to, to it. Although they knew God in their conscience, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. What was the root of the fall in the garden, dear friends? It was ungratefulness. God had given Adam and Eve everything they needed. Beautiful. Perfect, glorious. What did Satan do? There's one thing you haven't got. That, that tree. Mm. Why? It's ungratefulness. It's what Paul is saying in Romans 1. Um, and uh, <clears throat> another author, Anne Foskamp, has written an awesome book on thankfulness called 1,000 Gifts. She says, our fall was and has always been and always will be that we aren't satisfied in God and what he gives. We hunger for something more and we grumble when we don't have it. Dear friends, grumbling simply shows that we're not aware of what we really deserve before a holy God. And what's that? Judgment. Rejection. You and me deserve that daily. And yet he's poured out his grace on us. And so when we grumble and are ungrateful, we are saying, I deserve better. I'm entitled. I, 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 what, we've, what I've got now is not good enough. And such a spirit, of course, we must be discerning, and there are some things we, we should grumble about. But when it's selfish, it doesn't belong in the heart of a believer deeply aware of being saved by grace. So in 2022, dear friends, let's repent of ungratefulness of grumbling, catch ourselves with that spirit and stop it. And then secondly, what must we put on? Well, obviously, we must put on thanksgiving. The empty space that will be left by stopping our grumbling must be replaced and filled with more and more thanksgiving. This week I've been trying to practice what I'm preaching by 
trying to wake up every morning with the first thought in my mind being not stuff in the day, stuff I've got to do, burdens on my heart and mind, but thank you, Lord, for, and then a list of things. And it's been amazing. What a difference it makes to one's spirit and awareness of God's grace as you go into the day. But the challenge is, of course, to avoid simply doing it as a habit, like shopkeepers or an air hostess as you'd get off the plane. Thank you for flying with me. Have a lovely day. You know, and they're saying the same thing, and it's, not, it's, just, it's just good manners. Our passage, to come back to it, starts with, we ought always to give thanks. Um, that sounds a little bit like an obligation or duty. And John Piper has a lovely Christmas illustration as we come to a close, where he explains the difference between a child receiving two Christmas gifts. So picture the child who is excited, it's after church, and they get home and they're tearing open the presents. And the first one, what did Brahm point out and show us? First, the first gift is socks. How's the child going to respond? The face drops. The present is cast to the side. Next. What does mommy say? Grandma bought you those socks. Say thank you. Thanks, granny. Rip open the next present. Is that thanksgiving? No. It's politeness. It's obedience. It's not the overflow of the heart and joy. Until that child opens the next present. And it's the Sony PlayStation. Exactly what they were hoping for. Woohoo! Run to mom and dad. Big hugs. Overflow of thanks and thanksgiving and gratefulness for the gift. That's real thankfulness. In fact, we should call it Thankfulness. Thankfulness. Um, and, and so we should be feeling genuine overflow of joy by focusing our attention on God. And what does that child do? He runs to show his present to his sister. Look what I got. Look what I got. Or to his buddies later that day when they come to visit. What did you get for Christmas? Look what I got. And the quick aside here, Paul felt so grateful for the gospel, he wanted more and more people to feel that gratefulness. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4.15. So that as the grace extends to more and more people, it's part of HBC's vision, it may increase what? Thanksgiving to the glory of God. Thanks, just that quick slide. Don't forget, is this the root of us growing as a church? We are so grateful for God's grace to us. We are so overwhelmed by this gift that we've opened that we want everybody to see it and know it and understand it and experience it. And so we will be a church that grows and reaches out to the lost. And so our hearts need to be ravished Thank you, sis. By deliberately taking time to meditate 
on our own sin and the wonders of God's undeserved favor towards us. Spend time in those great chapters, Isaiah 40, Romans 8, Ephesians 1. Pray through it, cry with Paul for eyes to be opened, to understand and feel with thankfulness, and then to come full circle. When we have that experience and insight and appreciation for our God and His grace to us, then we will be able to stand firm. Final slide there, thanks. So we trust that you'll be able to do that, that your taproot in whatever storms are going to come in 2022 will be deeply rooted in thankfulness. One final word. There may be someone here this evening or this morning who simply can't be thankful. <coughs> Why? You haven't experienced the grace of God for the first time. You haven't known His forgiveness of your sins. You haven't felt your need for a Savior. You haven't cast yourself in faith upon Him as your only hope of salvation and heaven and glory and purpose in life. You can't give thanks to a God you don't know. Even though you're living and moving and have your very life, from him. But that can change today. You can read your name into our passage. We ought always to give thanks to God for your name. Beloved by the Lord. Because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through the sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth you've just heard. This He called you, your name, through our gospel, which you've heard today, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, as we come to the table to give thanks. Oh Lord, forbid that this should just be another habit that we do regularly in the church. Fill us with thankfulness for your amazing finished work and the character and grace and love behind it. For Jesus' sake, amen.